the final four is set, and what a final four it is. Surprises everywhere. If there's someone with a live bracket with four teams still left in it, please let me know who you are because I'm going to take you to Vegas and I'm going to bet everything you tell me to bet. This is Alan Caps. That's Mikey Watson. This is Sixth Year Seniors. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to round this week. That's why I got a college skip. That's why I was an All-American in Michigan. I could give a shit about North Carolina right now. Mikey, how you doing? Well, it was an interesting weekend of basketball to say the least. I don't think anybody had this on their on their docket. I know CBS didn't. that's for sure yes we have four teams left san diego state florida atlantic miami of florida and now the unconditional favorite the university of connecticut three out of four ain't bad no not at all i i have one shot left on all my future tickets i have an 80 to 1 play on Miami of Florida that I got on December 23rd. I'm thrilled with that one, but I don't know how far it's going to go when they have to play the Yukon Huskies. This team has just been dynamite. They've been a absolute destruction machine. It almost feels like, right, here's the thing. If, if they were a one or a two seed doing this, it's like, Oh, okay. You know, you know, they're coming out of the four hole and it just kind of feels like they can't do this the whole way. So why not Miami give them hell Saturday night? We'll see. I don't know, but they're, they're certainly, they're certainly going to be the betting favorite going into the weekend. Oh, they, they definitely are. As far as future bets go, last I saw, they were plus two twenty starting today. And my guess is you're probably going to get, maybe plus 150 on them now that we've got four teams left. They are a five and a half point favorite over Miami. That line went up almost immediately as the final buzzer sounded. Miami's tough. I I am not ready to write off the Canes. They could have folded Sunday evening and, and just let Texas go on to the final four. And that final 10 minute closeout by Miami was as impressive a run of basketball as you will ever see. They did not need a three-pointer to make the comeback. That's yeah, how... it, was, it was sheer defense. Yeah, it, it, was, it was tremendous. For a game that finished 88-81, there was a lot of defense played in that game. Yeah, I, I wish all the games would be played at, at this type of pace and this type of uh, level. This, it, was a, it was a regional final worthy of the, uh, of the closing spot that CBS usually gives. Even, even if the name brands weren't, what we normally expect in that slot. It was a really good game. 
But hell, there were two other really good games this weekend, and then you got the the massacre that happened in the West region. So I don't know where you want to start. There's we, everything is happening. We've got a Final Four that features teams from Conference USA and the Mountain West and the lowly. Here's the thing. The, Ma- the Mountain West is the second best conference left alive because the ACC, after beating, yo, they were so freaking horrible all season long. Just absolute garbage. Dismantled the conference. Lo and behold, look who's got a team in the Final Four. The Atlantic Coast Conference once again coming through. Making things happen. The Big 12 ain't in the Final Four. The Big 10 ain't in the Final Four. The Southeastern Conference ain't in the Final Four. But the goddamn ACC's there yet again. I don't want to hear jack shit from anybody about it, all right? Yes, I'm playing the conference game, but that's only because the media and the talking heads and all the other jackasses out there want to run off at the mouth talking about how bad the ACC was this year. And look who's still standing, baby. Well, actually, if you want to talk conferences, you got to talk about Conference USA because not only do they have Florida Atlantic left in the NCAA tournament, but they have two teams left in the NIT, and they have the CBI champion. They they haven't lost in the postseason yet. It's unbelievable. Damn, that's true. They're, they're like 14-0 and 0 or some crazy number <laughs> like that. They have not lost in the postseason. It's unbelievable. Well, let's see. Okay. Uh, let, let me grab Maybe the ACC is the worst conference left. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Charlotte went 4-0. and North Texas and UAB have each won three games, so that's 10. And Florida Atlantic has now won four. four. So that's 14-0 for the Conference USA. That's insane. Where is that number in Vegas? Well, we bet the over on our number of wins that Conference USA would have across all across all postseason tournaments. Well, you know that to win games in the NCAA tournament for Conference USA had to be .5. Oh, absolutely! It had it had to be because it, it was it was that and okay, you got to play Purdue. That was the draw. That's wild. Yeah, this is it, even if you just go by the tournament seeding numbers. This is the highest total seeds since 2011. And that's when UConn also won the title. They were UConn, UConn won, the, won the title in a busted bracket in 2011 in Houston. They won the title in a semi-busted bracket in Arlington. So they're coming back to Texas with another busted bracket. And they're the favorite to win the national championship again. It's absolutely crazy. They also won the they also won the national championship in San Antonio in two thousand four. Yeah, all through all their recent titles were in Texas. Yeah, the only one that wasn't was their first one when they beat Duke in ninety nine. They beat that great Duke team in ninety nine in St. Petersburg. What? It wasn't at Madison Square Garden. It was not at Madison Square Garden. It was not at the 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 home of college basketball. That two thousand eleven tournament uh UConn was the number three seed they beat Butler who was the number eight seed that was a great run by Butler it was a great run by Butler until that title game I think Butler shot like 18 percent or something like that it it set basketball back a million years and I don't don't think the game's recovered yet the other two teams in that final four were Kentucky who was a four seed and VCU who was an 11 coming in from the play-in if I remember correctly I think that was the first year of the play-in that was the first year of the expansion to 68. Yeah. Yeah. 
The only other one that came close was the year that George Mason made the Final Four in 2006. Uh, that was a seed total of 20. Florida was a number three. UCLA was a two. LSU was a four. And then you had George Mason as an 11. And I, I can't, but they beat, and, and that's going to be a storyline this weekend, is that it was, it was Jim Laranega taking George Mason to the Final Four. They beat Michigan State, Carolina. I don't remember who they beat in the Sweet 16. I want to say it was, it was, uh, it was somebody from underneath. I think Tennessee was at the bottom of that bracket, and they got knocked off in the second round. So it was Cinderella versus Cinderella in that Sweet 16. And then, of course, Laranega's George Mason Patriots upsets overall number one seed UConn in Washington to go to the Final Four in overtime. Dramatic, dramatic game. Really good game. Denim Brown ties it at the end of regulation at the buzzer. And then they basically run the same play, but he steps back. For the win and the three rims off at the horn. You are pretty much correct in that it was another Cinderella. It was Wichita State. Yeah, there it goes. Yeah, I think I I wanted to say it was Winthrop. I think Tennessee beat Winthrop barely in the first round, I think. And yeah, it was Wichita that beat them in the the second. You're correct. Tennessee beat Winthrop 63-61, then fell to the Shockers 80-73. I think that was one of the first year that Wichita State was actually somebody, and people were starting to take notice of that program. Yeah, it was. Yep, it was. That was the, that was a big turning point for the Shockers that year. Let's get to this year. Let's. Start- saying, we're talking all this history right now because <laughs> this is a historic Final Four. We will be talking about this combination of teams for a long time, no matter what happens this coming weekend in Houston. We have the most interesting Final Four of all time. And especially if you consider where these teams are coming out of. We have a Southern champion of San Diego State. We have a Western champion of the University of Connecticut. And then two teams from Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, when, was the, when was the last time to, that there were two teams that were this close that went to the, went to the same Final Four? Oh, wait a minute. I, I, never mind. We'll <laughs> be a smart ass where I can today. I, I, I'm loaded with snark. I, I've, I'm loaded up if you haven't figured it out already. But by the way, did your Hurricanes win or lose? They lost in, they lost in the stupid-ass shootout. Nah. It was stupid. It was stupid. Oh, wait. I, I think I just broke the fourth wall. They may know, you did, know when, when we're recording. You did break the fourth <laughs> wall. It, it, it's all good. Let's start with the South. San Diego State defeats Alabama and then Creighton. We'll talk about the Sweet 16 as well because... What was it? By uh, Thursday night, right? We had no number one seeds left in the tournament. Uh, yeah, that's right, because Alabama and Houston lost, uh, or did Houston lose Friday? I guess Houston lost Friday. Oh, it wasn't Friday? Yeah. So, so by the early games on Friday, all the one seeds were out. Which is the earliest all the number ones have ever been out. This is the first time ever that there was not a one seed playing to go to the Final Four on the weekend. Every tournament in the in the current era, there'd been a top seed at least making a regional final. So San Diego State gets there with a Darian Trammell free throw with 1.2 seconds left to beat Creighton 57-56. That was heartbreaking for Creighton. They came back very professionally, and then the foul on the drive, just as the buzzer sounds, but the fact is it was it was a correct foul call. And frankly, if you look at the replay, if he hadn't been hit, he might have made the bucket. 
Uh, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent agree. It's really too bad that a that, that a foul in the lane on a runner keeps Creighton from the Final Four. They've never done any of that shit before. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not spicy at all. Good on the Aztecs for rallying in the second half. That was an ugly game. What it was not pretty, not for the faint of heart. These were two teams banging each other. But San Diego State was able to get the game slowed down to a pace that they liked. It just by limiting possessions, I thought I, I thought it favored the Aztecs. It didn't allow Creighton to get out and, and really get their offense going. And State made uh, plays down the stretch, except for that except for that stupid inbound pass. But other than that, the Aztecs were, were pretty composed in uh, in the clutch. I thought they were going to give that game away with that inbound pass. That was bad. And, and Shireman had a great move. I don't know if you noticed, but he noticed immediately that that pass was high, and he went right around the defender to the backside. Yeah, he didn't he did. even yep. try to defend the pass. He knew where it was going. It it just so happened Ryan Nimard couldn't keep Trammell in front of him. Unfortunate, but true. You can't put it. You can't put a forearm in the guy's ribs when he's trying to take the game winning shot. And 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 I do I do understand the opposing side here that's saying. Well, they've been killing each other all game long. We haven't called anything. Why are we calling this now? You got to call it. No, they, they I mean, would have. They would have called that with five minutes to go in the first half. Especially if the guy winds up on the deck like that. I, it, it was a legit call. He was. He was free. He. He was free. He had the angle. He went to the hole. He went up with the runner. He hit the deck because he got. He could because he got shoved. He got shoved with a forearm, and it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. To, to impede the process of the shot. It was a good call. Props to the ref for, for having the guts to call it. He missed the first he missed the first free throw. I was worried about the second one after that. Well, I, I was rooting for him to miss the second free throw too. I I know you were. Didn't happen. But yeah, legit foul call. This is not the Big East back. Uh, what was it? The early two thousands when they implemented the six fouls and it just oh that became, was the oh boy that that was the eighties. Oh, was it the that, 80s? Was that, that was the back? late 80s when they did that, yeah. That was awful. Yeah, <laughs> l- let's give them one more foul in a game that is eight minutes less than an NBA game and see what happens. We're going to look, we're going to talk about the fouls in a little bit, all right? That's going to come up later. There was a whole brouhaha on social media about about six fouls and foul control and all this crap Saturday night. We'll get to that a little bit. I ain't ready to get into that yet. What I am ready to get into is San Diego State took a series of body blows from Alabama Friday night, and they came back and took control of that game in the final 12 minutes or so. I was stunned at the composure of the Aztecs to be able to, to just take a shot like that come back against a team as talented as Alabama and win that game. I think that says a lot to their uh, their their chances this weekend in Houston. I got to feel pretty good. And you got to feel pretty good no matter who you are right now in the final four. Everybody's got to be feeling giddy. But I really like San Diego State. I think they're going to beat Florida Atlantic. If if they can play like they did against Alabama, they could beat they could beat UConn. They could definitely beat Miami. But Alabama folded like a cheap suit, and it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, Brandon Miller goes three for 19 from the field. The only way he was going to score was if he brought a gun to the court. Maybe he needed an accomplice. <laughs> three for 19, need a little help. Has Felt he declared brutal. for the NBA draft yet? 
Because you know well, that Nate, Nate Oates, Nate Oates suspended him for the remainder of the season <laughs> uh, late Friday night. Um, Wait, haven't I, heard I anything else on that. Jokey or not? I I believe that to be true. <laughs> Brandon Miller will never see an Alabama uniform again. No. Uh, he's going to pull the Ben Simmons and not only you know leave the team but drop out of school minutes after the season's over. Oh, he's yeah, he he's he's the he's not taking another another class at Tuscaloosa. I promise you that. If he was even taking a class before, it, even if it's like gun maintenance one hundred and one, especially if it's gun maintenance one hundred and one. <laughs> Creighton got to the Elite Eight by being Princeton eighty six seventy five knocking the Cinderella 15 seed from the Ivy League out of the tournament. Yeah, Princeton, they hung around. I, I, I thought Creighton was going to put him away in the first half, and it never really quite happened. And Princeton, you know, they, 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 they get down 15 or whatnot, then they, they, they inch back. They got up to 8 or 9, but they could never really get close enough to really make it interesting. So I was able to, go to, I, I, I was able to, to flip to the other game and, and not even worry about that one. So San Diego State is going to play Florida Atlantic in one half of the Final Four. Jesus Christ. The early line on that is San Diego State minus two, total 131 and a half. It's a good line. It's a good number. That sounds about right. FAU just relentless on the glass. And they're not, they're not especially big, but they are relentless. And it's how they beat Tennessee. And it's how they beat Kansas State at Madison Square Garden, the mecca of, of basketball, Duke's home court, to go to the Final Four. That uh, The FAU-Kansas State game, high, high drama, high quality game. It was super fun. That really was. Florida Atlantic beat Kansas State 79-76. Uh, Michael Forrest makes four clutch free throws in the final 20 seconds. That big center that Florida Atlantic has is sneaky good. Vlad Golden finished with 14 and 13 in that game. He's not particularly strong. He's not particularly talented, but he gets the job done. He, he reminds me of a skinny Vlade Divac. He gets to the right place. That was what That's I continually yes. noticed it. He just, he, I, I'm totally with you. He's not, he's not super strong. He's not super talented, but he knows how to position himself to just be able to make plays. He doesn't have to do anything flashy. Just be, you know, get, get in there, be a disruptor on defense, and, and clean up clean up the mess on offense. And he was really good at that. Let's talk about Marquise Noel. Oh, because man. we had a conversation. We had a conversation about him Thursday night. We had a little bit more on Saturday. Most outstanding player of the East Regional, and I believe totally deserved in the losing effort. He had two opportunities. To make the big play on Saturday with the final four on the line and passed. One of them, I thought, the 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 big pass down low when it was three and he cut it to one. I thought that was a great play. Even though he he had a clean look to try to tie the game. He made the extra pass, got the got the layup underneath. I thought that was good. But they tried he tried setting up offense way. I, I know time was running out, but you can't pass to somebody else with three seconds left when they're 30 feet from the basket and a guy in their face. I'm going to ride or die with him. I, I know he took some stupid shots, particularly in the Michigan State game Thursday. 
That's an understatement. I'll settle at that point. I will settle for the bad Noel shot rather than what happened because they didn't even get a shot off. And it was it never even felt like as the play unfolded live, and I know it was quick. There was only seven seconds on the clock. But as the play unfolded, it never felt like, oh, they're going to get a good look here. I, at that point, I'll, I'll, I'll ride with the with the 5'8 kid who, who's been, you know, so mercurial but productive through the weekend and he gave up the shot. It, it it was building up to a moment there and it feels like we lost it, which there's a lot of that that kind of happened this weekend. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 it's too bad. His performance against Kansas state was absolutely fantastic. Against Florida the, Atlantic. Well, wait, against Michigan state or Florida Atlantic. Because as much as sometimes it seems like he might've been playing against his own team, he was not playing against Kansas state. <laughs> He had 19 assists against Michigan State. NCAA tournament rate. That's tremendous. Including that. He threw the block. He threw the no-look alley-oop with a minute left in overtime. That was God's wild. Sake. That was so awesome. And then the next and then and was it the next time down or was it in regulation? I, I think it was in regulation where he took the stupid 30-foot pull-up for the bracket logo that missed by a mile. Like, what are you doing, man? That, was, that was at the end of regulation. Show. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. That, that was, was bad. awful. Uh, there were comparisons going about social media uh, of him and Jason Williams, white chocolate. And, and it's true. I having experienced white chocolate myself as a Sacramento Kings fan back then, just about even odds that he's going to make the ESPN highlight reel or throw the ball three rows deep into the crowd. Or probably the you know same thing will happen in the, in the same quarter of the games. So. Yes, exactly. But he's just, he's so dynamic. And those passes are so quick. I mean, they leave his hand and they're in his, his teammates hands like that. There is, and after watching him for, for 80 minutes this weekend, I don't think there's a pass that dude can't make. Left-handed, right-handed, bounce, chest, one hand. I mean, every angle he's got covered. The way he's able to get the ball to his guys down low was so impressive. He was super fun to watch. Like I said, and, and, and it, you got, it comes with the territory. You're going to get the bad shot every now and then. He was so fun to watch. Also, I was disappointed that because I wanted to see him in the Final Four. I, I was pulling for Kansas State. Florida Atlantic's great story, ain't going to lie. But I, I, I wanted to see him in the Final Four. That, that Michigan State game Thursday night in the Sweet 16 was crazy good. Great. I think it was the game of the tournament. Yeah, it could be the game of the... Oh, that, that Gonzaga... Uh, the Gonzaga-UCLA Gonzaga game. Gonzaga-UCLA was Gonzaga really good, too. You game. There's been a lot of good games. Exactly. I felt that the Kansas State-Michigan State game was played at a level that was earning of of such a although UCLA gets like the same way too. They you know they were you know back to back games there that night, you know, different courts, but uh high drama, good stuff. And, and of course we haven't we you know we've already bypassed Fairlane Dickinson beating Purdue. Yeah, that too. I mean that's just that's back burner. That's old news now. There were so many fantastic games in this tournament. And hopefully there's going to be a few more to come. But yes, that that K-State-Michigan State game, they finally slayed Tom Izzo. To make it official, Marquise Noel, 19 assists, breaks the record of Mark Wade from UNLV back in 1987 against Indiana. 
I'm not sure if you were even old enough to remember that game. I do. It was in the Final Four. I don't remember the game. It was a few years before UNLV became really good. Yeah. Uh, This is obviously, it's three years before the team that won the national title. Yeah. But Mark Wade was a hell of a college point guard. Hey, and also props, not only to uh, Noel, but Keontae Johnson scored 22 points against Michigan State. Didn't have a great game against Florida Atlantic. No. But man, what a great comeback year after the physical issues he had at the University of Florida. Absolutely. It was a, a good story to, to follow. Jerome Tang, the work he did at Kansas State. Kansas, arguably, I, know, I know those four teams playing for the Final Four this weekend. Argument to be made at Kansas State, maybe the best story of the season. Just, you know, they were complete roster turnover, um, just bottom of the barrel of, of the Big 12 last year, to be able to come back in such a tough conference make a run like that. They got Keontae Johnson. Good things ahead for Kansas State. But if I'm a K-State fan, I I am just I'm beyond pissed because I've been the I've been to the regional final 3 times in the last uh in, in the last decade or so. And I, I with a chance to go to the final 4, I lost to Florida Atlantic, Loyola Chicago, and Butler. Ouch. Three opportunities to go to the Final Four against three mid-majors. Butler was still on the horizon at the time. And went 0 for 3. You know, some, you know, these opportunities don't come around all the time. Nothing's guaranteed. God, you kind of like, I don't want that one. So Florida Atlantic, San Diego State. I mentioned the total is 131.5. I think this one's real simple if you want to parlay something together on this. If the game goes over, Florida Atlantic's going to win. Game goes yep. under, San Diego State's going to win. It's going to be all about tempo. If Florida Atlantic can press the pace, even for just about a 10-minute stretch somewhere in the first or second half, just to get the motor going, I think that's going to be enough to outscore San Diego State. If they can never get the ball moving, San Diego State's going to control the game just like they did against Creighton, and they'll pull out the victory. I think it's, I, I, I it's going to be a grinder. And I just, I think that favors San Diego State just because you're in the dome. It, it, you know, I, and I know the shooting perception has long been debunked, but I'm not just talking about it. I'm just talking about this is a stage beyond anything that either of these schools has ever seen. I do think San Diego State will be more prepared for the, for the spotlight than FAU will. It just, it just by, by default. And I, I, I think they'll be a little more prepared for the game, but I'm not writing off anybody at this point after everything I've seen the last two weeks. But if I'm making a play, I'm going to play under and I'm going to play San Diego State. I actually think the over in Florida Atlantic might be the way to go. I think sometime within those 40 minutes, Florida Atlantic is going to hit a 10-0 run That'll either give them a lead by four or five points and break San Diego State's spirit, or it might get them into a double-digit lead, which will definitely wipe San Diego State off the map. If he, I, I was going to say if either team gets up double digits, it's over. But, hell, I've, again, I'm not writing off anything after everything I've seen the last two weeks. Being down eight with five minutes left isn't going to scare San Diego State. I, I, I know that. They're, they're, they're not going to be rattled. But I don't think FAU's going to be rattled either. 
at least as far as game situation. I think if, if FAU just doesn't play themselves out of the game in the first 10 minutes because the spotlight's too bright, I think we're going to have a fantastic game. That's the only thing I would worry about is, is oh my God, we're at the Final Four. What now? We'll see. Uh, I, I don't think either team is going to do that. I don't think so, but I think if one team does, it's going to be Florida Atlantic. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yes, I, I agree with you. If one team does, but I don't think either team is going to do it. If you happen to have any of these teams left in the Final Four and think you might be able to pay for a all-inclusive vacation on a cruise ship somewhere after April 3rd, who might you call? There's a lot going on down in South Beach. We got Miami. We got we got Florida Atlantic. Hit up a cruise out of Fort Lauderdale or, or the Port of Miami. Hit up our girl Wendy Prater or Magical Journeys Travel. All major cruise lines sailing out of all sorts of destinations and ports all over North America. She can take care of it. Tell you tell you what cruise line works best for you, for what you need, what you want to do, your traveling crew, all that stuff. Custom made itineraries if you need them. It's absolutely fantastic. No extra charge to you. Find her on uh, social media, WP Magic Journeys on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Tell her you heard about her here on Six Year Senior. She'll give you $25 off your next trip deposit. Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She makes the plans. You make the memories. Before we get to the other half of the NCAA basketball tournament, let's talk about the NIT and the CBI. The NIT semifinals are Tuesday. The final is Thursday. It's in Las Vegas. This year, no longer at the Garden. Is that because the NCAA went to the Garden this year? So they moved it out just so the Knicks wouldn't have to have a, a two-week road trip? Uh, no, no, no. I, this is simply because I, I think the luster of the Garden was really waning. And they were looking for a new... Because they were looking for a new place to go about three years ago. That's And now she say that, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you know, it's it, it now if it, if it was Duke playing at the Garden, it'd be, it'd be a totally different story. In the NIT, the Duke in, in North the Carolina in the NIT. Yes, why not? They played the NIT back in '71. Why not? Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, and Robert Morris. <laughs> it's North Texas and Wisconsin on one side of the bracket. Utah Valley and UAB on the other. Utah Valley knocked out Cincinnati, Colorado, and New Mexico, all higher seeds on the way to the semis. That's quite the little run for UVU there. You know, Wisconsin's in here messing it all up, and it's going to be actually fun. So you got freaking Wisconsin in here. Get them out of here. North Texas and UAB, of course, Conference USA opponents. They are both two-point favorites over their respective uh, uh, semifinal opponents. I'm sitting on 15 to one on both North Texas and UAB to win the NIT. So I'm a happy camper at this point. Go Eagles and go Blazers at this point. Good Lord. Meanwhile, in the CBI, fellow Conference USA teammate Charlotte wins, beating Cinderella Eastern Kentucky 71-68. Eastern Kentucky beat Southern Utah 108-106 in double overtime in the semifinal. Good Lord. And that was after beating number one seed Indiana State 89-88 in single overtime in the quarters. You caught me the other day. We don't have this on the format sheet. Did you see the Division II final on Saturday? I did not. I saw 
like a couple days before that they were playing it, didn't know when it was. And then Saturday afternoon, I went, hey, I wonder when that was. And it already happened. West Liberty scored 101 points in regulation and lost. So... Yeah, <laughs> it was that kind of game. Complete. You watch that game versus versus some of these other tournament games, like completely different sport. My God, Nova Southeastern and West Liberty, they ran up and down the court for 40 minutes, and it was awesome. The it wrong was, team won, what, but it was what, awesome. What was it? 111-103? Is that correct? Something like It was something like that. I know both teams, both teams broke 100 in regulation. And Nova Southeastern finished the season unbeaten. Nova Southeastern, also down in the Miami area. It's all coming up roses for South Beach. All right, back to the NCAA tournament. Let's look at the Western Regional Champion, UConn. They have just demolished everybody in their path. Sweet 16, they beat Arkansas 88-65. And then in the Elite Eight, man, Gonzaga, come on. 82-54. That's ridiculous. Thanks for showing up. Yeah, it was... It was so this... Oh, we were talking about fouls earlier. Everybody raised hell about Drew Timmy being in foul trouble. One, I, I don't know why we were having such a, a such a deep discussion about that. I guess because there was nothing else to talk about. It, Drew Timmy could have stayed in the game and picked up 50 fouls. And, and they wouldn't have won the game. Um, yeah... Timmy picked it. His fourth was a. It was questionable, but look, he's been he's been playing college basketball for 17 years now. You got to know that you can't get a forearm up high in a guy's chest and extend that in just that sort of plain view. It's going to get called. You, 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 I think it was a little bit of a flop. It did not affect the play, but you got to be smarter than that. That was number four. Timmy went to the bench. It was already starting to get out of hand for the Zags at that point. And Timmy went to the bench, and it was over. I mean, UConn like went on a 14-0 run or something crazy, right? And it was like, boom, it's, now it's, it's 25. The game's over. It sucks that it had to end this way for the Zags. I was really thinking that after all these years of, you know, being so good, one, you know, top two seeds, and it not falling their way, the busted bracket would open up for them. But, you know, I was... Too oblivious to the to the UConn curse at this point. UConn is just mauling everybody right now. And they are the hype going into the weekend for them is well earned. I I just have a hunch it's not gonna be this easy the whole way. I hope I hope I'm proven right on that, but it's really hard not to look at the Huskies right now and say, these guys have it all figured out. They've got the formula, and they're going to cruise. I think the Arkansas game is a little bit of an anomaly. That just happened to be a team that was perfectly suited to get destroyed by UConn. Uh, everything that Arkansas did well, UConn did much, much better. And I should have known that Gonzaga's defensive liabilities would show up against UConn. I had hoped that Gonzaga would be able to outscore them, but... UConn's defense is just damn good. And Gonzaga just didn't have enough firepower. They need... You know what they need? is Chet Holgram. Oh, what a concept. We, we only said, they, we've only been saying that for 12 months. But no, Chet Holgram is stuck in a little golf cart in an ATT commercial. 
said you said the Zags couldn't guard anybody Thursday night when when they were playing UCLA. And I'll credit Gonzaga. I think on my this. exact quote was a bunch of sixth graders could put up 80 against the Zags. I think that was the exact quote. And when you said that, it certainly looked like UCLA was about to blow them out of the water. And the Zags pushed back in the second half. And it was like, oh. And at that point, I'm thinking, maybe they are going to do this. Maybe maybe it is all coming together for the Zags. But it could, they, they couldn't even get out of the Sweet 16 that easy. Because they were up, I don't know, they were up by a, a decent amount. And UCLA went on that run at the end. It was like, oh my God. The, the, you know, it's happening. Three three Gonzaga-UCLA tournament games. Three all-time classics. And they wind up trading buckets in the final 15 seconds to, to trade the lead in the game. Really, really good game. Timmy was amazing. Yeah, can we have Gonzaga move... Well, wait a minute. UCLA is going to the Big Ten. Can we have Gonzaga move to the Big Ten so we can have just have a series of Gonzaga UCLA games year after year after year? Every time they play, it's magic. It's it's just fantastic. There's never a dull moment. No, UCLA is going to the UCLA is going to Big Ten. So it's San Diego State that's going to go to to to, to the Pac-12 now. So ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, ridiculous. I, yes. Watch out next year for UCLA's Amari Bailey. This is the kid who has taken up the Jalen Clark minutes, and he's electric. And, and once Tiger Campbell is out of his way, Bailey is going to be one hell of a point guard at UCLA. Bailey was really good. He was really good Thursday night. And while we're talking about UConn, the UConn women's team missed the Final Four for the first time in 16 years when they lost to Ohio State in the Sweet 16. That's how dominant the Huskies are in the women's side of the field. Well, you know what? You know, it's not it's not like they've been winning the national championship all of these years. South Carolina's had a run, Baylor's had a run, Notre Dame was in there. So it's not like I didn't realize that they had a final four streak until they lost in the Sweet 16 uh over the weekend to Ohio State. I was blown away that it had been that long since they had been in the final four. Every, I mean, it's not surprising. We, we all know what Gina Oriema has done with the UConn women's basketball program. But it, it's kind of flown under the radar here the last few years. Oh, they're just, you know, and it's just, it's just not even news anymore. Okay, UConn's in the Final Four. UConn's in the Final Four. I'm just, it, it's just, I've become immune to it. So I was, I was shocked when I heard that this weekend. And so frustrated because Ohio State beat them. Ohio State handled UConn on a neutral court relatively easily. Carolina played at Ohio State in the second round. It was a road game, and Ohio State needed a bucket in the final four seconds to win the game. So it's frustrating. It could have been Carolina, damn it. And since we're talking women, the Sacramento State women, in their first appearance in the NCAA tournament, lost to UCLA in the first round. But, hey, good on you, making the tournament out of the big sky. Making the run, absolutely. And, uh, and they did not cover the 14.5-point spread, so... Screw y'all. Give me a hot, free hot dog next time I go see you. Absolutely. UConn's opponent is going to be Miami of Florida, who knocked off Texas 88-81 after beating the number one in the Midwest, Houston 89-75. The Canes certainly earned it. That's for damn sure. 
you knock off Houston and then Texas back to back, the top two seeds in the uh, in the region. Jim Laranega's Hurricanes came to play between. Did you see the um? Did you see the stat line from Jordan Miller in the regional final? Uh, I'm I'm not sure now. Thirteen of thirteen from the oh. line. I think he was seven of seven from the field for twenty seven points. Only one other player in NCAA tournament history has has put up that many points and not missed a shot. Do you know who it is? Oh boy, pretty famous game. Oh oh oh, I think it's Denny McLean. No, or, or not uh, one of the McLean brothers. It was a Gary McLean. Not Gary McLean. It was one of the Villanova dudes, wasn't it? It was Christian Leitner in the oh. 1992 East Regional Final. 28 points. I don't remember the stat line, but he was perfect from the field and the line. Of course, the final shot being the, the 15-footer on the catch from Grant Hill to win the game at the buzzer. Screw Christian Leitner. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> that That's a lousy piece of trivia. There needs to be somebody better than Christian Leitner to have that kind of stat. Yeah, yeah, I know. Jordan Miller was fantastic uh, in the regional final on Sunday, leading the Hurricanes to just a fantastic comeback. The Texas was up. I don't was it was it 13, 13 points in the second half. It was. I think they were up at thirteen at one point. The key was sixty seven fifty five with ten fourteen to go. That's when Miami started its comeback. And that's about the time I turned the game back on. I'd been flipping back and forth between that and the hockey game. And I said, all right, I'm, I'm in the rest of the way. And, and it was just bucket, get a stop. Bucket, get a stop. Bucket, Texas made some free throws. And they you know, swapped. And it was just just systematically, we're going to go down to score, and then we're going to go play defense. And we're going to see how it works out. And sure enough, two points at a time, Miami chipped away and chipped away. Next thing you knew, it was 72-all. With about five minutes left, it's like what? What the hell? I mean, nothing flashy. They didn't have to make any threes during the run to uh, to, to to knock the lead back to to even. It was just, oh my god! They just they just took control of, of the contest and and then ran away with it at the end. Absolutely fantastic performance in the second half by Miami. Miami's good. They got some dudes. Miller's fantastic. Isaiah Wong. Absolute stud. They got some guys. Yeah, Miami hit eight free throws down the stretch, including the key two from uh, Omerier with like a minute to go on that foul that was correctly yes. changed. Uh, originally, Omer went up for the rebound, was called for over the back. It was obvious that Cunningham had backed into him. He backed him almost to the damn free throw line and dumped him on his head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, I, I would have been mad had they had they ruled that an over-the-back call because that was a clear, clear undercut by Cunningham on that play. It, it, it was sort of, that was sort of the – it felt like Texas might have a shot to get back into it, and then when that happened, it was like, oh, wait a minute, Miami's actually going to do this. And, and then they just calmly hit every free throw they had to hit. Yep. And, and again, pl- continue to play defense. Carr and Cunningham each missed shots that ended up resulting in more Miami free throws. The Hurricanes just walked away with the game. And no that's, threat and that was, at all. They did not miss a beat. If there's a team that can hang with UConn and not get flustered, it might be the Miami Hurricanes. 
I, I absolutely agree. Like I said, between Miller and uh, and Wong, Knight does don't sleep on Nigel Pack. He he shut down Houston um, Friday night. They've got guys that can compete here, and Larinaga is a he is a sneaky sneaky good coach. The the there was not a question all year long whether Miami could score. There it was always the offense is going to be all right. Can they stay focused and get organized on defense enough to, to get it all together? And it all came together in the second half against Texas. Just an impressive performance by the Hurricanes. That's going to be a really, really fun matchup in the late game on Saturday. Because like I said, I do, th- I do think Miami's got the guys that can push UConn. And, and I think it's going to be a super fun game. I, I, I think the, the, the grind of the early game will be in contrast to a little more up and down that we see in the late game. I think it's going to be highly entertaining. Yeah, the line is five and a half for UConn. The total is 149. Again, I I think this is what everybody hoped UConn-Gonzaga would be. I believe the way Miami plays offense, they can score against UConn. And then the question is, is, are they going to be able to hold UConn enough times to be able to stay in the game. And Miami's kind of got, got that pressure defense that I think can do so. Miami has a very underrated defense. They do. It's just UConn's going to throw, they're going to throw Hawkins at you, they're going to throw Caravan, J- Jackson, J- Jack of all trades running the show. They, they, they've got five guys. If you were going to build a college basketball team, it's just stereotypical how you'd want to build a college basketball team in 2023. And like I said, I was high on UConn early in the season. They were the last undefeated team, I think. And then they went on that cold snap through January. It was like, oh man, what's going on? I think they just had to sort of get their bearings when once conference play started. And they've slowly and quietly been one of the best five or six teams in the nation over the last over the last six weeks or so, and they just flipped the switch here in in March. It's just been oh my goodness. On December twenty third, I grabbed Miami of Florida at eighty to one. Good call. It's my last remaining future ticket. So yeah, I've got a Rudy interest right now, and UConn has screwed me throughout the entire tournament. So it's time to get back at them. I have bet against them with Iona, with St. Mary's. I did bypass with Arkansas, but then I lost again with Gonzaga. So UConn can go screw itself. Go Miami Hurricanes. Go Canes. Let's throw up the U. Absolutely. And um, I'd, really, I'd really be entertained by a Miami of Florida against Florida Atlantic final. Oh, it would be fantastic. In-state it, it, be... rivalry. You come across the ocean, you're going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You come into our house, you should get your behind kicked. You don't come in the OB playing that stuff. You're across, you're across the ocean over there. You're across the city. You can't come over to our place talking noise like that. You get your butt <laughs> You up at our house. You come to our house, you will get your behind kicked. You, you from that across really the Gulf was. of Mexico. That, that, that was a Florida Atlantic Miami game, wasn't it? I think it was Florida International. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, I think damn. it was FIU. <laughs> but the, the sentiment remains, though. So, I mean, yeah, if I have to be realistic, I think it's UConn. I still got to go with Florida Atlantic. But I'm really open for Miami of Florida and Florida Atlantic. 
How about you? I think the I, I, I don't think it's anything crazy to say the winner of the Miami UConn game is going to win the national championship. Oh, people have said that before many a time, especially in the eighties. And I know, and that's why that's why I don't want to sleep on on who and I. I've got a hunch, and I want to go back. I want to go back and look to see what the ratio is of the early game versus the late game to see who wins the t- the title game. I haven't done that math yet, but I, w- I want to go back and see if there's anything to that. If, if there's any correlation between if you played the early game of the final four, or the late game of the final four, and I know it's totally random, but I, I care about things like that. I got a hunch, like I said, I like San Diego State, and I think San Diego State can muck it up. To where they can they can steal the national championship Monday night. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that if San Diego State wins, like I think they're going to win on Saturday. I, I think I would take them to cover whatever the line winds up being against UConn or Miami in the title game. I would think you're probably looking at three or four. And if if, if if the Aztecs can get it to their pace, I think there's value in that. I again, they can they can muck it up, but I think if FAU wins, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the favorite. I'm gonna take them heavy Monday night. We'll see. It'll be interesting. This is a this is a Final Four like we've never seen before. Like Vince McMahon said about SummerSlam '92, the Final Four you thought you'd never see. You know, um, you know just. It's absolutely wild. We've got a Conference USA team who's moving to the to the AAC, by the way. So the Conference USA is 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 getting a a larger chunk of the FAU Final Four purse, by the way, than a conference normally would because FAU's leaving the league. Oh, nice. But we've got a Conference USA team, a Mountain West team, a Big East team who was recently in the AAC. And, and then the the, the sorry-ass Atlantic Coast Conference who invited these jabronis. So, I mean, I, we've got a, we got Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and Miami. Three teams. There's only one other Final Four in the last, what, 70 years or something where there's, th- where there's three newcomers for the first time. You know which Final Four that is? The last oh, time there were wow. three. Last time there were three newcomers in the Final Four. It's a crazy three teams, too. Oh, man. I I can't come up with it. I, I'm, I'm thinking back to all the long shots, but there was at least two of there. So what, what what is it? Obviously, you know this answer. 1970. Oh, man. UCLA wins the national title. They defeat Jacksonville in the final. The other two teams that year, New Mexico State, and St. Bonaventure. Holy cow. Uh, was that a year? What was there? Maybe 16 or 24 teams in the tournament at that point? Might have been 16 at that point. I, I know it, it, this was still the this was still the uh, the the conference title era. Right. There, there, were, there were no open bids. Okay, hold it. I, I, I've got this open here. Uh, 1970. Okay, so UCLA was part of the Pac-8. Jacksonville, yep. New Mexico State, and St. Bonnie were all independents. Wow. And there were, oh, wow, this is odd. There were seven teams in the East, 
there were six in the Mideast, six in the Midwest, and six in the West. The, the non-balanced bracket, that's right. I forgot about those days. So, uh, what is it, 25 teams? 25 teams. teams. 25 <laughs> teams, yeah. That's crazy. NC State got the bye into the semifinals, and the other six teams played each other. And then St. Bonnie's beat NC State in the in one semi before beating Villanova in the final in the Eastern. Uh, it it uh, it looks like a Jim Crockett Memorial Cup. This is ridiculous. And they had <laughs> they had regional third place games that year. They had regional third place games. Yeah. Oh, wow. So there, there's there's four regional third place games, and in one of them, man. Iowa beat Notre Dame 121 to 106. Good God. This is amazing. 1970. Here's, a, here's another fun stat on the Final Four. Uh, this comes from, uh, from Jeff Borzello. This is the first Final Four without a single former McDonald's All American since the NCAA tournament began seeding teams in 1979. Oh, that's fantastic. Won't be the last. Just a hunch. No, I agree with you. That's fantastic. But here's one more piece of trivia. When the NCA tournament odds opened up on November 2nd, UConn and San Diego State were 60 to 1. Miami of Florida was 125 to 1. And Florida Atlantic was 250 to 1. Good lord! One of those teams is going to win the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe we live. San Diego State or Florida Atlantic will play for the national championship Monday night. In fact, hang on. Who was the favorite at that point? Arkansas was fifteen to one. Gonzaga was ten to one. Houston was ten to one. Kentucky was nine to one. North Carolina was nine to one. That's got to be the best, considering that Carolina was number one ranked. In the preseason. Sorry to bring that up again. I think so, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Kentucky and North Carolina were 9-1. to Good grief. So, if you had any of those teams back in November, you're getting at least 60-1 to odds going into the final three games of the season. This tournament makes no sense. (laughs) And it's wonderful. So, we'll come back. Go ahead. Let me say one more thing. Let me say one more thing. And this is and this is the more the more reason to to think that it's UConn here, and nobody else. Even as as wild as this has been, and the tournament on the whole, we've seen crazy tournaments in the past. Of course, the you know, the, the seeds remaining here. Are high. But if you go back over the last thirty years, no matter how crazy the bracket gets, there was a year two in two thousand. We had two eight seeds in the final four. We talked about 2011 a little while ago. We talked about 2014. Last year we had we had an 8 seed in the Final Four. We had an 11 seed when UCLA was in the Final Four a few years back. Was, but when it comes down to who cuts the nets on Monday night, it is almost always a team that has been hanging around the whole time. And you got to go way back to, to find somewhere where it hadn't been. UConn... Again, they were they were top of the the AP poll for at least a little bit of a stretch earlier this season. I don't remember how it broke in 06 when Florida won their first title. They they won it as a three seed. 97 Arizona was a four seed. They won. 
it was a little bit different time there. They, they lost a, a bunch of close games in route to that four seed and then wound up beating three one seeds to win the title. I think you got to go all the way back to like 88 Kansas and, and 85 Villanova to see a real true, hey, these, you know, really fighting from underneath. These guys were nowhere near the top of the polls all season long. Yeah, Danny Manny and the Miracles, 1988, they were a six seed. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think I, I, I don't think that they were scaring anybody at the top of the polls that season. UConn is the only team remaining who, you know, had been that high in the poll at all this year. I, I, I just think by process of elimination, unfortunately, it's UConn. UConn could win their fifth national championship this weekend, and and and, and it feels like they will have backed in to three of them, which is crazy. Yeah, looking back at the 80s, 1985, Villanova was an 8. 1983, North Carolina State was a 6. There you go. So that's it. We're looking forward to Saturday. We're looking forward to Monday. We'll come back sometime midweek next week to recap the end of this crazy college basketball season. Look ahead real briefly to the college football season. And then we're going to take a nice, deserved summer vacation. Before we come back in the middle of August to talk football once again, talk about that. To, to talk about UCLA and USC in the in, in the in the Big Ten. Can't wait. That's gonna be so fun, so much fun. Well, at least that's two years away. We have one more year. Oh, that's of right. Semi yeah. regular. It's the Big Twelve that blows up this coming year. It's all stupid. It's all. But, I hate yeah, football. this is gonna be the last year of true college football. It's all stupid. It's even stu- it's even it, 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 when it trickles over to college basketball. That's what really pisses me off, which which we're getting at now too. But hey, I, I hope you, I hope that by the time it does, college basketball will have decided we're going to have our own conferences with our own alignments. F- FAU and San Diego State—that's the freaking New Mexico Bowl on December eighteenth. <laughs> freaking Beef O'Brady Bowl or whatever the hell it is. It's Feed the hungry bowl. bowl. <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've got nothing. <laughs> that's the, that's well, the okay, so so me. let's see. For Danny Manning and the Miracles, for Jim Valvano oh, for, looking for I'll somebody for, to for, hug. For, for yeah, yeah, that 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 that's fair. For Dan, for, for Danny Manning and the Miracles, for Derek Wittenberg, for Lorenzo Charles, for Ed Pinkney, Rolly Massimino. That's the best producer in the business. Alan Caps on Mikey Watson. We will be back next week. To see who wins what's left of this <laughs> 68-team NCAA basketball tournament in what's sure to be a fascinating and just wild Final Four in Houston. We'll talk about it all right here next week on Six Year Seniors.